Starting up with Virtue Zone on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, the good ship Virtue Zone is in dock for another hour. Uh, and the, the captain is with us, Neil Petch, alongside myself, Tom Urquhart, for the next hour or so. Busy week for Virtue Zone throughout the week. You ready for a bit of positivity? Yeah. CJ, yeah. he could run his business from anywhere in the world. Okay. He's choosing to run it from Dubai. Okay. Why? Why when his biggest market is America? Why, why, why? Why, everyone? And if you're not doing it, set up your own business because now's the right time and he's going to tell us. It's a why we can put to the man himself. Why? Because we always kick things off with Success Spotlight. And for this week, well, it's the Dubai Fitness Challenge. It's ongoing. We're all doing our 30 by 30. Might even push it to 30 by 32. Who knows? Uh, The fitness industry, uh, the well-being industry has come together for it. And we are blessed to have a fitness coach, someone who uh, also helps other coaches as well to achieve their dreams and goals. Uh, He is the founder of CJ Coaching, fitness coach by his own right, much uh, accredited and awarded a fitness coach. He founded one of Europe's largest online fitness businesses, Around about six years ago, significantly impacting thousands of lives, even while working full-time as an estate agent originally back in the UK. His work has been recognised since by the likes of Forbes, Men's Health, Apple News, I could go on. Building on that success, he's now established Dubai's premier fitness business mastermind, a platform that enables trainers to expand their businesses online, increasing both their impact and their income, leveraging the skills and experiences uh, that he's gained from running running his own fitness business throughout his career. Uh, it's a warm welcome to the original CJ. Charlie Johnson is with us here today. Uh, Charlie, thanks so much indeed for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much for the invite. It's a pleasure, pleasure to be here. Listen, uh, let's, talk, uh, let's talk about the... Let's go back, CJ. Let's go way back as you uh, join us on the psychiatrist couch that is, uh, that is starting up with Virtue Zone. Um, how did you get into... Before I go any further, anyone that is going to be watching this one on socials or on Facebook straight after this, uh, Charlie is absolutely... What's the correct word I'm using Buff. here? Buff. Jacked. Thank you very much, Dean. And, and, we, and, and we were Buff. judging him, Tom. We shouldn't judge him. But he is buffed, ladies. They asked ladies. rugby. I used to a long time ago. Uh, how did you get into coaching, though? Um, short synopsis. I used to be a fat kid when I was younger and then had insecurities from that. Got into sport, got into rugby, got into the gym, and then decided I liked the gym more than rugby. And one thing led to another from there. And I know one of the things we talk about is coaching. The biggest gift that happened to me from that when I was about 25, 26 I hired someone to coach me and got in the best shape of my life from that and suddenly connected the dots with the secret of success in life is this. That is when you actually hire someone to, who knows what they're doing to teach you what to do and you just do what they tell you to do, you get the results. And that's how I then got into the process of coaching and helping other people. But you were working on Civvy Street. I mean, mm. there was, I mentioned there you were working in real estate, other jobs, etc. In the et Matrix, yeah. what, In the <laughs> Matrix. What was that sort of – what was that – epiphany for you to go hang on hang on and there would have been that moment you thought this is my career this is how i'm going to make money and i'll i'll train on the side and i'll look great and things like that but i'll still be making cash what was that moment you said okay hang on i love this this is what i want to do and this is how i want to make money for me i always wanted more and i knew that you're if you're in a salary job there's a cap of where you're going to go so if you want to be truly successful you have to do your own thing otherwise you're always going to be working for someone else and I always wanted time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom, which working as an estate agent, you're definitely not going to get in the UK. Mm. So I knew this was never going to be the path to happiness and fulfillment I wanted. So I had to try and create my way out of that, which I was fortunate to stumble across. And I think what was more challenging back then 
it was more of a niche and very different thing to do. And I didn't have anyone else who'd carved the path before, which now it's easier because there's other people who can help you through that process, if that makes sense. Are you still in contact with that coach that you just mentioned, the coach that opened your eyes? Uh, it's funny enough, he's actually my best friend who lives in Dubai as well. He lives in the building next door to me. So no we've both, we both, both been moving through our entrepreneurial journeys at the same time. Um, okay, let's look at the coaching, fitness coaching. Can be quite a sort of dog-eat-dog, um, quite competitive, quite a selfish market as well. To make it, you've got to be quite cutthroat as well. At some point during your sort of coaching career, you've decided, you know what, rather than fight the competition, I want to help the competition as well. How did you sort of flip that? Ironically, that's something I never actually wanted to do. And this happened about 15, 16 months ago at the point that there's a lot of people teaching what they don't actually do. Whereas like I'm the highest level authority in the industry, I actually do the thing and teach other people to do the thing. So I know everything inside out. And I ended up in a position where people were coming to me, begging me for help. And eventually I caved and I was like, okay, it's this much. Someone signed up. I helped them, got huge success and really enjoyed it. And that's when you sometimes start to struggle, like stumble into your passions of what you should be doing. And I think it's great to have a plan in life, but things change as you develop. And I think that's really what happened to me. Mm-hmm. CJ, I love your story because actually even the activity of your license mm. that you need and the visas that you have is something that 10 years ago – a lot of people were having to operate in a grey market. Now Dubai has made it much more easy. We've got thousands, literally, of, of PTs who, who have registered through VirtuZone. A lot of them, their biggest challenge is they're really, really good at their job, um, but they don't know how to scale. So there's, you know, and it's not just the PTs listening to the show, but it's the people who who are doing something from their own villa or whatever. And, you know, when you're trying to build a company, build a brand, build something that has value that maybe you can sell and go and put your feet up, how do you scale? So how how have you done that? Uh, That's why we called our mastermind seven-figure scaling systems, because it's all about scaling with systems. And the big mistake most people make is they don't identify what's actually important. So for people who say they're looking to sell online fitness programs, so many people will overcomplicate this process and there's only two things people need to think about. One is like booking sales calls to prospective clients. Two is closing sales calls to prospective clients. That is literally it. And people overcomplicate that process too much. And obviously that's a simplified version. But if in any business you focus on things that actually generates the income, you can figure the rest of it out later on once you've got the money coming, if that makes sense. And that's very much the way we work with people is to focus on the big levers that really move the needle in the business and not the systems that look fancy and sound clever but don't really change anything on the bottom line, if that makes sense. Totally how, does. How do you market it? I mean, and, and it has the sort of, again, because I suppose it, it, it's, it's a difficult one because when you're, the skills are within mm. to a certain degree and therefore you're trying to market yourself and how you can benefit somebody else either in business, life, fitness or otherwise. So is that, is that a skill you need to develop and has that changed? Has it evolved? Uh, yeah, it's definitely changed a lot. So I say... One of my favorite sayings like, life is a game of skill acquisition, and the more you get the skills, they stack and almost multiply off each other. And even if you look since COVID, a lot of marketing has changed. After COVID, it was very easy for people to sell online programs. And the majority of the way people were doing that was just getting huge amounts of organic reach on social media. Mm. Those days are pretty much gone. It's now going to very much become a pay-to-pay, uh, sorry, pay-to-play situation, in my opinion, in terms of paid advertising with platforms like Instagram, Facebook, whatever it might be. Um, so it's about using the right strategy with that, also alongside the correct organic marketing strategy. And the goal of one of the big things that we do with everyone is focusing on the basics like book calls, close calls. Every sale in life comes for a conversation. 
So the more conversations you can start online, people messaging you or you messaging them, the more money you make. And it's like that saying, like, the more hands you shake, the more money you make. Like, it's about networking and connecting with people. And online is a scalable digital version of that, if that makes sense. But do you get, do you get I mean, do you get that? I mean, it, it, I suppose a lot of people out there will be going, hang on, hang on, hang on. But surely Charlie and his coaches, etc., need to do the face-to-face. You need the physical, etc. But as you were saying with your opening statement, you can do pretty much anything from a computer screen now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about, you know, what Charlie's doing is he's setting the agenda. So by reaching those people first, anyone that wants to come after you, they're competing on your terms. And I think that's one of the things that Dubai offers. I mean, mm. CJ, you were talking off air about the inherent advantage you have through being based in Dubai rather than in America and how you spend your money and, and you get your leads, right? So how, how does I, that work? So like... This is what I say to all our clients who work at Seven Figure Scaling System. Is just, there is no reason why you wouldn't move to Dubai, why you shouldn't be here. Because if you want to succeed at business, I can crush anyone else who's a competitor in Europe, the US, because I have a huge strategic advantage on them. Because you win in business when you're trying to scale, when the person could pay the most to get the customer. If they're paying huge amounts of tax in VAT, corporate tax, personal income tax, I can spend 30%, 40% more than them. There's no way I can lose. It's so, so true, Tom. You know, when, when someone says, I'm going to spend $100, you've got to remember that here, to spend $100, we need $100. Hmm. <laughs> but, but yeah, anywhere else is 140 Yeah. Hmm. So then their numbers don't work, but they work for me, which means I can keep pushing it. And you can use Dubai as your base, because you've got a fairly global business now as well. I mentioned Europe earlier on, you mentioned yeah. US as well. But Dubai is a good hub for that. Uh, it's central globally, and I actually think it makes you niche and different. Like our social media platforms over a million followers on organically on all platforms and we spent we've spent over a million pounds on Facebook ads. So like we've done a lot of paid advertising. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Like your business can be anywhere. There's certain strategies that people need to understand though with like organic social media platforms that if you put an account if you move to Dubai, your Instagram account, for example, will have problems because your account will get moved here and put into the Dubai algorithm. But we've got strategies we can do to move that back to the US or wherever you want. And that's Life is about problems and solutions. It's just about finding the solutions to the problems and then you win. You're the solutions provider. Right. Talking of solutions as well, um, there will be those out there that have brought coaches on for one re- reason or another, life, business, fitness, well-being, whatever it might be. Give us a metric. Give us an advice. I mean, because I'm, you know, we see extraordinary results from something like you're a, you're a yeah. perfect example of that. And then there are those that just don't get on with coaches as well, or the coaches, it doesn't work for them. Are there metrics by which you can work, you can work out whether something's been effective or not? I would say a lot of people need to have like a hard look in the mirror and look at the problems then, because one of the things I see sometimes is someone's worked with four or five coaches and it hasn't worked, and then you have to look at the common denominator. And I think sometimes the issue is people are trying to solve the wrong problem, and the fastest way for someone to succeed with anything is to work out what's the, if it's business, what's the constraint of the business? So what's the problem? And then think, instead of thinking, how can I solve that problem? Who can solve that problem? Who's the person I can hire who's already got the skill set and can teach me and fix it? And then you'll grow our business. So to give an example, in May this year, I hired someone, um, paid them $50,000. He doubled my business the next month by changing one thing because I worked out what the constraint was, found the right person, doubled the business constraint cj can you elaborate uh constraint would be like the bottleneck in the business or what's the one thing that holding it back so the one thing we actually changed was our sales processes and the 
uh, price of what we were offering, the way we were structuring that. It's extraordinary. Listen, um, we've got people texting in. I just want to throw a couple of the text messages that are coming uh, at you. Uh, somebody focusing on uh, PTs at the moment. Uh, this is Ali out there saying, uh, the challenge that PTs face is that when they go online, there's little more benefit than watching a workout regime uh, on YouTube or another platform, etc. How do you answer that? Uh, the big thing that people want is accountability. So it's actually having a consistent process in terms of check-ins with the clients. And the reason why personal training doesn't work for most people is that their issue isn't the three, four hours they're spending working out. It's the rest of the time during the week, like what they do in the weekend, what's the nutrition, right? What's their rest of the lifestyle look like? And the main job of a coach is actually accountability and to keep people on track. And that's what you actually really need to push upon people. Because if you look at AI now and things like ChatGPT, you can get any advice you want in terms of a diet plan for free from that. Mm. So they don't need you for that. They need you for accountability and to keep them on track and psychologically to keep them in a groove and it is the borders isn't it i mean a lot of, mm. we're talking there about pt so yeah, yeah okay you want abs great yeah. okay follow the youtube youtube mm. thingy but i suppose what you're talking about is those blurred lines between yeah you've got to get yourself together physically but mentally as well and that that sort of feeds into the business mm. side of things 100 percent, because we don't live in a world of lack of information we live in a world of lack of implementation because we have more information we've ever known what to do with Problem is we can't find necessarily the right information and 99.9% of people can't implement it. People always say about me, the one reason I was very successful and continue to be so is I'm ruthless in terms of implementing things quickly. And I remember a good uh, saying when my dad's friends told me when he, he was super successful when he was younger, said uh, the best, he had like a thing on his desk which said like, do it now. And like that always stuck in my head of like, whatever it is, just do it now. <laughs> <laughs> See, Jang, I'm going to disagree with just one okay. thing. He's a lot bigger than me, guys, so this is quite risky. Yeah. Debate. One thing, you're being humble. ChatGPT can tell you what diet to yeah. use, da-da-da-da-da-da. Trust. Right? You need trust. So well, I, I, think I wouldn't say brand... trust, I'd say certainty. Okay. Because when you believe in something, like we've, in our fitness business, transformed 8,000 people, it's like, I'd give this analogy. If you'd gone to a heart surgeon and it's the first heart surgeon like surgery they've ever done you're going to be like i don't want to do this if you've gone to a heart surgeon they've done it 10 million times you'd be like well he's done it loads of times there's never been a problem so people need to have certainty in the process and the reason why when people get free information they don't have certainty in it and they also don't have like the equivalent of skin in the game once you've paid for something you've psychologically tricked like in your head like i'm in i'm going to do this Look, I could sit here for hours listening to this man. I really could. I find myself nodding away in agreement uh, throughout. Uh, he looks like a Roman god. He speaks like a Greek philosopher well, That's as enough well. about me, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and CJ's with us as well. Yeah, no, CJ, listen, if people want to find out more, where do they go? What's the next step? Um, so you head over and check me out on Instagram at Charge Not Fitness. We've actually got a big business event in Dubai next weekend on the Friday and the Saturday in Palm. If you message me Dubai Eye, we can give you away some free tickets for that. Um, and then check out our podcast. We've got a fitness podcast, which is The Shredded Show, and a business podcast, you like the name of this, which is The Physically Jacked and Financially Stacked Podcast. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Jacked and stacked. Jacked yeah. and stacked, quite right too. Uh, listen, CJ, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much indeed uh, for joining us today. I feel a little bit guilty uh, ejecting you from the studio, uh, especially with the guns like that yeah. as well. But thank you for your thank time you, today. It. All the best with the uh, forthcoming projects and more. A big thanks uh, to Charlie for joining us live in studio. Charlie Johnson, fitness coach, founder of CJ Coaching. Do check him out online. This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8.
Welcome back to Starting Up with Virtue Zone. Uh, Tomika in the hot seat, but the real hot seat is the one over there with the chairman of Virtue Zone, Mr. Neil. Are we pumped after our chat with CJ? Listen, I just disagree with you. The hot seat clearly is with Sam, who's joining us, because any bicycle seat is hot <laughs> and unpainful, in my opinion. Have unpainful? We, What's have, that? Have we given him the padded seat or not today? Uh, <laughs> let's find so. out. Because we move now from uh, our success spotlight to today's big talker. So we've got the Dubai Metro, we've got feeder buses, we've got many other options that make the Emirate a more connected city. But is it a livable connected city? Uh, We need this more than ever as we see a rise in population and, dare I say it, the C word, congestion. (laughs) Traffic congestion. We brought together two voices from the world of mobility. Uh, We have got the uh, co-founder and the CEO of Fenex, a company that offers last mile delivery for e-commerce merchants. We're talking e-bikes. We're talking scooters. We're talking thinking out the box. Uh, Jaibit Danoa joining us live here in studio. Jaibit, always good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And alongside he, uh, the co-founder of The Cycle Hub, an online and physical bike shop. If you're a cyclist, you will know the name. Sam Sayadan is with us as well. Sam, lovely to see you. Always a pleasure, sir. Are we a livable city or could we do better? We can always do better, of course. But we are an amazing livable city, to be honest. I was uh, in Italy a month ago and people kept beeping at me while I was cycling on the road. And I didn't get it for a while until I realized that I'm on the road and the roads are for cars. And of course, they're going to beep at me because I'm slowing everybody down. And I'm not used to that because here in the UAE, I have the luxury of cycling on endless cycling tracks in Al-Qudra Road where no one beeps at me. (laughs) So I was very like, why are they beeping at me? Oh, yes, because I'm on the road. It only just dawned on me at the end of the sort of the ride. We don't beep here. We just turn our hazards on when it rains. Yes, that's the only thing. But otherwise, we're kind of spoiled. Uh, Our cycling routes for, let's say, leisure or sports cycling are actually amazing. We really are elite when it comes to that. And many people come here and they're amazed. Uh, I think the, the, so the, there is a, a lot of cycling that, and it exists here in the UAE, especially with the District 1 and Al-Qudra. It's just that the, the conversation here today is about livable cities in terms of mobility around town, which is something that is a lot more With the weather getting better, it's like I, was, I, I dropped uh, my daughter off to school today and there's a whole bunch of cycle racks. And how brilliant to be able to take your child to school on, on, on the bike. And, and JD, on your side, last mile delivery. How can we harness all those cyclists to get stuff to do for you free? Imagine that. <laughs> so uh, Phoenix, our mission is to unleash urban potential and propel communities forward. Right, uh, we focus on cities, urban uh, potential of cities are the people who live here. Right? Uh, we're not uh, trying to create potential. We're trying to release that potential that's trapped within us. And uh, that's why we're talking about mobility. Mobility is a means to an end. It gets people to work, to school, to the mall, to home, etc. The less friction there is on mobility, people move more and do more. So it's good Yes, for quality of life. It's good for the economy. It's good uh, for my own uh, um, ability to earn. Give us some examples of friction in, in Dubai. Yeah, so uh, we look at it as, you know, there's financial. You know, how much does it cost uh, financially to move? Uh, there is, um, you know, the time. How much time does it take? That's also a tax on your productivity. Right? Uh, and then there's con- uh, comfort and convenience. Right? Uh, and then the last one is, I guess, um, a commitment. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so like owning a car is a long-term commitment, taking an auto loan for five years. 
of course, uh, sometimes people don't know, am I going to live here for that long? Am I going to um, have you know, employment for that long, etc.? Mm-hmm. So these are some of the types of friction that we're trying to reduce by giving people more choice. Um, different types of vehicles and different business models, pay per trip, uh, pay per month. And, uh, and of course, when we look at traffic in cities and congestion in cities, uh, it's natural. Uh, more and more people are moving into cities. Uh, so, uh, you know, urban population is growing. Roads can't expand at the same speed. Right? Uh, so this is why you're seeing more congestion on the road. Uh, on top of that, there's growth of e-commerce. Right? So not just movement of people mm-hmm. that's taking up space on the roads, but also movement of packages. And so how do you reduce that congestion? You have to increase the throughput on the same amount of space. And that means using the right vehicle for the right ride. So opening statements delivered uh, in this, the case for a more livable city here in Dubai. Our special guests are, of course, uh, Sam and Jaideep uh, from Cycle Hub and Phoenix, respectively. We will get more from them in just a few moments' time. This is Starting Up with Virtue Zone. You're listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business setup with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Starting up with Virtues and myself and Neil with you through till two o'clock as we address the issue of, well, the question I should say, how do you make a city more livable? Well, you turn to the world of mobility and you bring together uh, two experts in that field. We've got the co-founder of the Cycle Hub, an online and physical bike shop. If you're a cyclist, you know the name. Sam Sidon is the co-founder. He's with us and alongside he, uh, co-founder and the CEO of Phoenix, a company that offers last mile delivery for e-commerce merchants, uh, talking e-bike scooters and other solutions as well. Basically, two men who's... Uh, that's Jaybik Danoa, uh, who's with us here as well. Two men whose business are changing the way we move within our city. It's about reducing congestion, carbon emissions, and the overall stress of commuting. So I suppose, Sam, the, the question is, you know, when, so your business set up, you were one of the first, one of the outliers, one of the, the first that set this cycling revolution on its way here. Cycle Hub has been established for how long now? Uh, we're almost 13 years now established, actually. The mantra was back then to try and get more people on bikes. We've definitely done that. Yes, definitely. There are more and more people going up and down Al Qudra. They're going out on other, other rails as well. Are more people cycling to work? I would like to say yes i think it depends on where you live so it's limited to the locations there has been great improvement in the cycle access around jumeirah and bur dubai area that those cycle lanes there and more let's say the government actually the rta sort of efforts in helping and enhancing the the riding culture in that area has helped increase mobility the metro obviously didn't exist at one point so that allowed you to take your bike folding bikes or just move around better and then use the metro as well less reliance on a car or the bus which is also a very good uh, system by the way the bus system here is excellent so when i when when we talk mobility you have to remember it's bus tram public transport then usually they say that the people mobility is the last mile like jd mentions is that people get to the wherever they're going for the last mile the last one kilometer which is acceptable to walk for let's say 15 minutes or something or 20 minutes um, if you can walk that fast um, so th- there are there are ways to get around just needs more improvement in, and maybe more accessibility in some of the areas like I would say bicycle racks everyone should have a bicycle rack outside every building every office building every every institution if you say 
I'm going to come today to the radio station. I should know where the bike racks are, so I would aim for them if I was going to come here. Another but. USP for Dubai. Bicycle racks. They don't get stolen here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, secure racks. So in some cities, like in Europe, they, they talk about improving their cycle culture, but they talk, the first thing they talk about is increasing bicycle parking and safe parking zones. So they say, we've got a parking structure with 4,000 bikes that can take, or 2,000 bikes in the inner city areas. Those are measures of how good a city's cycling-friendly uh, you know, in, in, in infrastructure is. Whether there's enough parking, let's say 1,000 people show up on a bike, do you have parking for a thousand people? Mm. That's that's important. Those bikes have to be somewhere and to be safe for people to feel secure that they're bringing their property and they will find their bike when they want to go home as well. So that's that's a key. So JD, you guys, you both want people to embrace this culture, and everyone's sitting there going, "Yeah, yeah, it's, it's down to the government. It's not down to the government. It's down to all of us." So what can an individual do? What can a company owner do to help? people embrace this and be more healthy and be more healthy in body and in mind and so on and so on. Yeah, I think everyone is uh, naturally driven by self-interest. And uh, so we need to look at what, what's best for us um, individually. And uh, I think we just need to have a more open mind. Uh, I think living in Dubai, we get very comfortable with kind of a car-centric culture. You know, owning a private car, uh, offers a lot of convenience you can you know have five passengers kids luggage etc um but now uh we're seeing you know so much traffic in dubai we just need to be a little more open that sometimes i don't a better option for me is not taking the car because where i'm going i know there's going to be so much traffic i know there's going to be trouble finding parking and so maybe i should actually take a scooter to the metro and uh, and get to my destination. I could skip all that traffic, be a lot more relaxed about it, spend less money. Uh, I think we just need to open our minds a What's bit. What's the percentage of, of people, you would say, that have some of these uh, sharing apps, uh, you know, that use the scooters and, and, and so on? Uh, it's uh, it's growing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I don't have Single hard... figures? I don't have hard data on, on like, overall percentage. Uh, I, I do know that... Um, like in the past, uh, you know, we've had hundreds of thousands yeah. of uh, consumers who have used uh, our services yeah. uh, in UAE, right? So it's quite substantial. So customer acquisition cost, it's a, a constant challenge for so many people listening to this show. Is is there a, a way that you can drive that down and, and, and thus improve these percentages? Well, as a shared uh, mobility operator, actually customer acquisition is not our challenge. Uh, it's one of the only... Um, consumer internet businesses that has organic product market fit where people just see the vehicles and they decide, you know what, I, I want to ride a scooter today and they download your app and sign up and start riding. I mean, the vehicle is the marketing, right, uh, in, in dense urban centers. So I, I don't think that's the real challenge. Right? Uh, as an operator, uh, our, our biggest constraint is just ability to deploy vehicles uh, in more parts of the city in higher density so that we can offer Reliable convenience. You can't change your behavior if you don't know that it's always going to be there. Like, I can't risk a critical trip, like getting to work on time, getting to an interview on time, like getting to a meeting on time, getting to school on time, if I don't know that that convenience is going to be reliably there. Sam, and that brings up a really interesting point here about the sort of the economics, the business of mobility. Well, a lot of companies or individuals still look at mobility and alternative mobility options and go, yeah, if I've got time on my hands, etc. But in a time-poor environment like this, how do you encourage people to change change that mindset? 
Yeah, so I, I, you know, having the facilities, the infrastructure is one thing. There are other elements. So you've got to get, um, let's say, this, you know, we say, is it just the government? But it's scheduling. Let's say if you told everyone that school buses only ran between certain hours. There are some drastic, let's say it's not drastic, it's, it's sort of life-changing um, changes that need to be done in a city that make the city operate in a different way. It's a 24-hour city. Okay, so between this hour and this hour is when schools operate, and these are the times the buses run. These are the times that people can have for leisure. These are the times you break. So some cities even have a two, two-part uh, schedule in the day, you know, the morning shift and the afternoon shift, so you give different people a different time. We can all be effective with technology now. We can work from home for four hours and work in the office for four hours. There are so many things you can do. It's not just about putting pressure on the roads or the infrastructure here to try to get more people through it, the throughput. I know that Jadeep said get more throughput out of the streets, but actually my, my effort would be a different way. I would, I would make half the roads in the city one way. I would go through all the communities and make everything go one way, and that would make people who are on bikes feel more safe that they can cycle through the community without cars coming from both directions or, mm. or buses coming from another direction. So you would, you would limit the times, you would adjust the times, you would adjust the roads, but very simply by just saying, okay, the flow is this way. And, and that would allow people to, to, to sort of go through the neighborhoods in a more secure way. So there are, there are simple things that can be done, but there are also drastic things that can be done in terms of saying all school buses must run between six and seven. And mm. that's it. And nobody else is really on the road. So, you know, that's yeah. going to run. And I think a classic mistake is a lot of decisions get made by CEOs who look at things in their own perspective. The vast majority of your staff are probably not traveling to work the same way that, that uh, you are. So put yourself in, in their shoes. You, Sam, men- mentioned something brilliant, which is may- may- it might have been a little bit of a joke, but I think it's a brilliant business opportunity. No joke. Okay. <laughs> put a, you know, can you have a shower and changing rooms? I, in, tell in every CEO, I, I tell every CEO I meet, we have showers and changing rooms in all our facilities. And I actually, you know, I take people and open the door of the changing room and say, this is our shower and the changing room. And they don't understand why it's a part of the mm. tour of the bike shop. They say, oh, you have showers and changing rooms. I'm like, oh, you don't have showers and changing rooms in your big corporation? Uh, no. Oh, why is that? Don't you want your staff to go for lunch and then go for a walk or a run and then come back for the three o'clock meeting fresh and pumped up? Or you want them to be like over... They can't talk in the afternoon because they've been eating and there's at 3 o'clock. And you don't want to deal with anyone at 3 o'clock. But if you went for a run at 2 or a walk, you'd be energized for the afternoon shift. So be more productive. That's how you make people more productive. Gents, I mean, we, uh, we could talk about this for hours. Unfortunately, time is against us on this one. Um, a lot of this comes back down to regulation. Just want your, your brief thoughts on regulation at the moment. Again, I think cycling's been around for longer, and therefore we've seen regulation work to a certain degree. Would you agree with that one? Absolutely, Or yes. could more be done? It's, it's very good. It's very, very good. Very, it's a very high level, and, and it's generally a very safe city for cycling. And if you do want to cycle for leisure, You've got the best facilities on the planet, really. Because you can, I suppose you can go both one of two ways, can't you? You look at what's going on in London at the moment and the the, the uproar with the cycle lanes in London and other parts of the UK, which just aren't working with the sort of the old structure there. So I suppose it can work two ways: over regulation, etc. But then again, you look at something like e-scooters, um, which is a little bit of a grey area at the moment with regards to regulation. Can more be done when it comes to regulation? I mean, from a business perspective, now putting my CEO hat on, right? Uh, our scooter business is a B to G to C business. Mm. And uh, we have a conflict in terms of horizons, in terms of timelines. We are working at startup speed while cities are working at city speed. Mm. 
right? Uh, and so we are, you know, focused on, you know, what can we do this quarter, you know, this month? And cities are thinking about what can we do this year and next year? And, uh, and so uh, as much as we want to try to, um, you know, push uh, and influence and educate government on, you know, how we can uh, progress, uh, we still need to take a step back and just mm. appreciate that, you know, I think intentions are, 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 are sound. No government is trying to sabotage an industry. Uh, but from a startup perspective, it, it makes just the, the near-term market opportunity very, very uh, uncertain. We had your opening addresses. We've got to push for closing addresses as well in front of uh, Judge Petch uh, here this <laughs> afternoon, the presiding Judge Petch uh, in front of us. I didn't know there was a trial. Uh, we're not on a trial. This, we're all court. friends here. It's a kangaroo court. Uh, but Sam, listen, obviously we could talk for hours about this one. Um, plans for Cycle Hub. What's next in terms of what we've been discussing? We we, um, we try to influence more people. We're actually going out towards the schools more. We're trying to get we, – we really want – cycling to be part of the lifestyle and we think for example everyone who reaches the age of 11 at school must have a cycling safety or proficiency course something that would teach them how to ride safely in the neighborhood or ride to school so it should be mandatory in every school in the country it sounds like a dictatorial but it, it, that's the way it should be it should be you must learn how to ride a bike or at least learn the rules of the road in the uae when you're 11 mm. or 12 uh, this this will give you some confidence in riding your bike around town when you grow up or in the meantime until you can afford a car until you're 18 or 19 or 20 or whatever. But at least for the next seven years, you could use a bike. You wouldn't have to ask someone to give yeah. you a lift. Uh, and, of course, uh, J.D., your final thoughts. What's next for All Team Phoenix? Yeah, uh, so we've shifted our attention on uh, last mile deliveries and e-commerce enablement. Uh, that's a uh, domain which is in a massive in scale growing rapidly yet uh, extremely underserved you have kind of the last leg of the customer journey getting the delivery completed served by um, b2b logistics companies that uh, aren't built for consumer services um you know massive uh, uh failure rate of deliveries i think 25 percent of deliveries aren't completed those are lost sales for merchants they don't have access to credit um etc so that's an area where there's already clear regulations and we're able to invest and grow the business and make a big impact. Uh, so that uh, I guess stay tuned. If you are a stay-at-home uh, uh, entrepreneur, uh, take a look at Phoenix yeah. and uh, see what we can do with you. It's Phoenix with an F. It's the Cycle Hub with the H. Uh, <laughs> uh, and a big thanks. To, so check them out on socials. Get part of the process. Big thanks to our two co-founders, uh, Sam and Jade, for joining us live this afternoon. The prosecution rests on this occasion, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honour. Uh, we will. The jury's out, uh, and we will get a judgment from uh, Judge Petch in just a few moments' time. This is starting up with Virtue. This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Okay, wrapping things up here on Starting Up with Virtue Zone. A big thank you to you all for getting your questions in. Uh, thank you very much indeed. In fact, uh, let's get to one of those questions as we close off with Company Clinic. Uh, Neil Sherwin's been in touch. He says, hey guys, I'm thinking of setting up a business as a sales trainer. I've been in the business for 23 years now. What kind of license should I get? And are there any 
specific qualifications are required. Sean, if I'm hearing sales trainer rather than PT, it's going to be a very different answer. But there's a whole host of options open to you. So are you visiting people in their offices? Maybe you need a mainland license. RAC has a whole series of multi, uh, multi-function licenses. Are you training people virtually over the camera? Are you training them in person? So get good advice. Don't cut corners. Uh, best advice to get is VirtuZone. Get yourself on to their social media sites. Hashtag be your own boss. Get in touch with the VZ team. Uh, and, of course, they have got uh, – they're answering your questions 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, that wraps up another uh, very good one for us. Uh, Judge Petch, thank you very much indeed. Thank for- you, Tom. We've got our personal Virtue Fit ambassadors, Paul Bryson, Gary Thompson, out there modelling stuff for you as Fitness Week approaches. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Looking forward to that yeah. one. Um, that's one not to be missed that's for sure Uh, and a big thanks to all of our special guests we're going to be back again i say we're going to be back again next week uh mr petch will be back with a special uh, guest host next week i'll tell him and you about that in due course until then enjoy the week and remember to get in touch with the team from virtue zone bye-bye